All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, a man who actually tried to talk himself into loving Thursday night football at halftime of the game last night, Brandon Jarrell Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Failed effort, Mike. Failed effort. It was it was bad. But this Thursday night football game was better than any nightclub I've ever taken. It was. It was a lethal dose of it. It could go one of two ways, and I'm excited to lean into the experience with everyone here. The opposite of Thursday night football will hopefully be this podcast. We're enjoying. We've got a good one for you today. <laughs> we are going to try and give you a palate cleanse after the di- the poison we all ingested on Thursday night. Give you some games that we're actually looking forward to this weekend. We've got the big one in college football. It's finally here. It may look different than we imagined, but I promise there is still joy to be had in the process. We've also got a new segment that we're debuting. You always get six six thick picks around here at the end of the week. Three college, three pro that we throw into the vault. We're climbing out of the cellar. This week, we're adding a new one here. Very excited for the debut of Brandon's Spooky Locktober Underdog Play of the Weekend. That's going to be coming your way. Brandon Newman has maintained that because it's October, you have to start to look at some very spooky potential in the results. And so, Brandon, how are you feeling about this one? Your first crack at this one, our first Friday in October. It's a big day. Big day. 
terrible mic uh, are terrifying. I'm terrifying. I'm terrified. I'm scared, Mike, because it's a lock. It's a lock, and I'm, I take these very seriously. Even there's no stakes behind it, and we haven't even uh, divvied out a, a punishment if the lock doesn't lock. But I, I, I'm ready. Ooh, I'm ready if the to lock guide doesn't the people. close. All right. Yeah. What happens if the lock doesn't lock? But I, I have faith in this this deep in the season. I've said enough random things about games, and they've, they've come true, that I'm feeling confident about my uh, Miss Cleo football. Uh, I don't even yeah, know you've, what, what. You've echolocated your way through the darkness that is the beginning of football season. You've had enough sound waves bounce back at you to now where you've got an accurate, pic, accurate picture of the room without actually having to see it because you're deep dark yes. in the dark waters of the NFL and college football early seasons. My third eye is open, Mike. Well, good. Open up your third eye and get ready to take in every last ounce of Amazon's Thursday night football game. Brandon, I have, I think, two stats that can accurately sum up just what utter dreck this game was. The first was said on the broadcast of this game, and it ended up coming true. Never in the history of the NFL had there been a game with two quarterbacks who each had four or more Pro Bowls where neither team scored a touchdown. Wow. That ended up coming true as the Indianapolis Colts got a 12-9 overtime win. Mm. Overtime win against the Broncos, who led virtually the entire game before the Colts were able to force overtime. So that's one. Brandon, number two is this, courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info. The Colts with this win became the second team in the Super Bowl era, joining the 1973 Browns, who beat the Giants 12-10. They became the second team in the Super Bowl era to win a game where they scored zero touchdowns, threw multiple interceptions, and were sacked at least six times. That was the team that won the football game. If you watch that game, it makes sense though, Mike. But I didn't realize the anomaly that we were living in in watching the football game, like there's been some, I guess with the college football and NFL, the lines get blurred so much that you don't realize that a college football ass NFL game is a rarity. So this wasn't even just a college football ass NFL. Yeah, you're game. right. You're people, right. You're right. Well, no, this is a very specific brand of college football. This was an Iowa ass football game that happened in the <laughs> okay. NFL right now. Iowa broke contain, and the Big Ten West leaked over into what we saw on the field on Thursday night in the NFL. Brandon, as was pointed out to me by a lot of people, part of this is because we didn't have some college ass game going on as counter programming during this game. People couldn't right. look away. We were forced to just sit here. And drink this in fully and truly. And it was horrifying to watch. And as Roger Sherman pointed out, it should not go unnoticed. Amazon paid $13 billion over 11 years for Thursday night football. That is $1.18 billion per year. There are 15 Thursday night games a year, which means, long story short, they paid about $78 million to broadcast this Colts and Broncos game. (laughs) It's incredible math by Roger. Incredible math. It's great. It's great. And also, it, 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 like like most it, things with, with, with uh, millionaires, Bezos, Bezos as you call him, overpaid. Bezos oh. overpaid for this for this product. Marcus Spears said, shit, Amazon, should we at least get free shipping for this? 
<laughs> a free day of prime something brandon it's oh i say all those God. stats to underscore what we all felt which is it felt like in real time and i texted this to you and multiple people it felt like we were watching the worst thursday night football game i had ever seen and there are a bunch of legitimate reasons like legitimate football reasons that we could bog your time down with that we talked about yesterday worth noting if you listen to this podcast yesterday i said the only plays in this game were the under and if you made me pick the colts plus three and a half so Go ahead and take that one to the bank. But, Brandon, going into this game, the Colts had to rearrange almost their entire offensive line. They had uh, the player who had been their starting left tackle going over to their right tackle. They had had a rookie in Bernard Raymond, a third or fourth round pick out of Central Michigan, who had been playing tight end three years ago after starting off, I believe in Austria, where he was from, starting at left tackle in this game. Ryan Kelly, your starting center, went down in the middle of this game, so Daniel Pinter ended up going in. You had changed so many people's positions, and this is always the weird part about offensive line, is instead of just putting one backup in a spot, where you also moved, I should say, starting right tackle, Braden Smith, down to right guard, you made everyone a little worse at their job instead of making Mm. one guy's life a little bit tougher when you rearrange the offensive line with backups like that even if it's stuff you've repped you're still then changing the vantage point for every single non-Quentin Nelson or Ryan Kelly person on that offensive line. And then Ryan Kelly gets hurt and goes out. So no wonder they gave up six sacks in this game. No wonder they couldn't block this Broncos defensive front who was still down Randy Gregory in this game. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I'm glad you uh, illuminate the offensive line movement because each inch of that line, that line of protection getting worse means Matt Ryan's old ass has to defend a little differently. And one of my stay awake notes, Mike, was it looks like it hurts to be Matt Ryan. And this wasn't even before the sack uh, fury came. Uh, it was it was him completing passes, and, and he, he got touched up quite a bit in this game. He got right. It was – I have such a vivid memory in my head of Matt Hasselback the year – I believe he was backing up when Andrew Luck got hurt – and ended up going in and getting the shit beat out of him in some game. And he was so frustrated on the sideline. He got tackled and injured on the opposing sideline, got up and spiked his helmet on the ground. And I remember that so vividly as the most frustrated I've ever seen a quarterback in a game. That even includes Tom Brady spiking his uh, tablet on the sideline a few weekends ago. Looking at Matt Ryan's face, he aged presidentially in this game. That man looked like... (laughs) If you'd have told me he retired tomorrow, Brandon, if he pulled the Cole Beasley... and said, I'm going to go be with my family, I would get it because he was in hell. Because when you have all that stuff happening with your offensive line, and again, you have one, two, three, and then because of injury, four guys in places there normally weren't. Now, Pinter had probably been working at center, so I'll just say conservatively, three guys working in new places in this game. The communication becomes stressed. Everyone's vantage point is different. You're working with different guys next to you than you normally would for the vast majority of your reps. All of that makes everyone a little worse at their job. Even the best players like Quentin Nelson who caught a couple strays in this game. Because when you don't have a guy next to you that you know and trust in the same ways, it becomes really hard. What helps with that? A mobile quarterback who can get their way out Mm. of Dodge. And you know what Matt Ryan looks like? He looks like how I feel running in my dreams. When you're trying to run away from some... some threat in your dream and you can never quite run fast enough every time Matt Ryan took off that is what it looked like for him and I felt so so very bad for him (laughs) 
Yeah, Mike. And also, it feels like, I don't know if you've seen this, but like when Baker Mayfield falls, he's so small. It looks like he was like near the ground anyway. Or like Kyler, Kyler Murray. When Matt Ryan falls, it looks like a literal tree is being chopped down. And you can feel the inertia from the top half of his body. <laughs> at the, the ground. Like, does that make sense? Like, yes, you like got that far way to travel. <laughs> you've got time to run and try and get clear of the tree as it's falling. There's a whole ass timber getting yelled out loud in the course of this. And Brandon, I should say this again. We're talking about the team that won. We're yeah. talking about the Colts who won this game. And they were down Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. We knew that. Shaquille Leonard on the defensive side wasn't in this game. It didn't matter. Both these teams were allergic to the end zone. Ofer inside the red zone. These two teams combined to go 0 for 6 in the red zone last night, Brandon. The Broncos on the other side were an absolute penalty-riddled mess. Garrett Bulls, their starting left tackle, ended up, I believe, being carted off late in this game. They were down starting run back, running back Javante Williams. No Randy Gregory on defense. It was but ugly, Brandon. It truly was. And watching them, like, one, sticking with offensive line play for a second because it's just top of mind, yeah. I am hearkening back to a text message I got from L. Duncan, ESPN Sports Center anchor and noted Denver Broncos fan, who during the offseason when Nathaniel Hackett came over and they decided that they weren't going to retain offensive line coach and Hall of Fame offensive lineman Mike Munchak, who had basically rebuilt Garrett Bowles from the ground up and helped this group become pretty competent in the last couple of years, in addition to kind of being lax on holding penalties, I think, in the last couple of seasons. Decided not to retain him. Wanted to go with someone with more experience running his system. And Elle texts me because she knows there's not a lot of people that would even pay attention to that and go, am I crazy for thinking that this isn't the best move? And I 100% agreed because in the NFL, there are very few offensive line coaches that are actual, true, proven difference makers. And Munch is one mm -hmm. of those dudes. The work he did with the Steelers when he was there, the work he did with the Broncos over here, all pretty noteworthy. I don't even know who their own line coach is now, but... Again, it's just one of those things you look at, you see all the regression happening right now, and you stand to wonder, all right, there are certain spots where that kind of stuff matters. So that was one thing that certainly stuck out, Brandon. The other one is we might owe Pete Carroll an apology. Ooh. Ooh, Mike, because I'm glad you brought it up because you're talking about Matt Ryan throw multiple interceptions so did Russell Wilson oh, yeah. in this game. And also, you talked about Matt Ryan randomly retiring, wanting to be with his family. If it wasn't for all that Walmart money, I'd expect Russell Wilson to make a similar announcement, Mike, because the biggest play we saw out of the Denver Broncos was a 51-yard bomb. And because of I don't know whose ignorance and arrogance, two receivers had to bring it down for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> it, took, it was Cortland it took, two, it took four whole hands to reel in the longest pass play of that game. Like it felt like that's the type of twilight zone we were living in. I haven't even seen that before. Two guys fighting for the same ball, wrestling it down, same team, first down, let's go. And things had gone so poorly, instead of getting up and talking through who was wrong, it seemed like they both got up more like, hell yeah, let's ride. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like like two defend like two offensive players like uh, defending a, a interception when like you know the the wide receiver has to turn to DB real quick and and knock a ball out like it felt like that level of like oh okay we survived let's let's keep going it was it was incredible Brandon but you're right about Russ I he came into this game with some designation of a right shoulder injury and I think that really shined through. 
he's got to be hurt. He went and got checked out in the tent. I think that might have been concern about a concussion. And Lord knows in this game where Naheem Hines, backup running back for the Colts, had a very scary looking, what I believe was called a concussion, pulled off at the beginning, immediately took me back. We had a teammate, a former linebacker that we played with named Anthony McDonald, who got blitzed on a kickoff cover. And we saw end zone copy where he got up and just was ambling just like Hines was towards the wrong sideline. As soon as I saw it, it's immediately what I snapped back into of watching someone get up and have no clue where they are and their body's just trying to move. It was really weird. It was uncomfortable like the Luke Keekley uh, concussion where it didn't look like a bad hit and it didn't even look like a hit to the head and all of a sudden dude was just down. So we had no shortage of that stuff in the game. Absolutely. It was uncomfortable for me because what we just saw from Thursday Night Football last Thursday with Tua and, and the concussion that he withstood, I it's it was tough to, to start the game off that way, Mike. It was. And, and so that was ever-present. That was in the first quarter of this game. But Russ did go off in the tent briefly but didn't end up missing any time. But just looked so off the entire night. And I know he was getting touched up a lot, just like Matt Ryan, who was throwing a bunch of ducks because he seemed like he was bracing for impact on every play, as was Russ. But there were just so many errant bad throws. Like, Russell Wilson played bad football tonight in a way that made Pete Carroll and the Seahawks look like geniuses and made this Denver Broncos team that just gave him a quarter of a billion dollars all of a sudden look like they might not fully understand what they just bought. (laughs) <laughs> That's so true, Mike. But also, they were moving the ball. Like, the, with all that being said, the Denver Broncos were actually moving the ball a little bit. Like, we had field goals that didn't show up on the scoreboard. Like, that's how boring this game was. It was it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare and a slot fest every which way around it. So, I think there's real questions about Frank Reich and how much longer his tenure with the Colts is going to last. It seems like... With them, Chris Ball in their front offense, that they squandered the... And I get that you can some way, shape, or form go back to the Andrew Luck retirement as a bit of a surprise, but man, it's been four years. At some point, you had time and a lot of cap space for a long time to figure out a plan, and you just kept punting it down the street because you thought you had certain things as a foundation of your program that are now broken. The defense is still balling up front. We saw that on full display, but... The offensive line is broken right now, and that was the face of your team, was the offensive line and Jonathan Taylor. And it seemed like that thing cracked overnight. And now you've got a quarterback who is not even as mobile as Carson Wentz was to get you out of trouble, who's sitting back there getting shelled every game, and it doesn't look like any answers that are readily available. And so I just wonder how much longer Frank Reich's going to get because they've been spinning their tires with the same formula. Everyone involved owes some of the blame, but we know how heads tend to roll when it comes to this. One thing that happened in the broadcast, and I really do want to move past this game eventually, but the the concept that this was the Peyton Manning Bowl and both teams yes. are still struggling to recover from him being a Super Bowl winning quarterback for that franchise like that's a weird world to live in especially since he's moved on and has this conglomerate and this uh, uh other version of monday night football kicking like it seems unreal to think that both these franchises are still just suffering to bounce back from peyton manning yeah i will say the colts 
the Colts had something going with Andrew Luck. I mean, you had a quarterback who every year he was the starter for that team. They went deeper into the playoffs, was marred by injury. That was so much the story of his tenure. We were all shocked by that retirement. But since then, yeah, it's been tough. And for Seattle, we thought they finally had their answer. And I myself. Uh, Denver. I was, Denver, sorry. I myself thought. Seattle was making a mistake. I said over and over, if you had to choose one, you choose Pete. Car- you choose Russell Wilson over Pete Carroll. And I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's just a guy who for so long got away from the things that had made him successful. That let Russ cook thing, where there were legitimate seasons where Russ as a passer from the pocket was legitimately incredible. We know it wasn't the bulk of what they did in Seattle. We know so much of that back to back Super Bowl trips were defined by the Legion of Boom in that defense, who I still think got an overwhelming amount of credit. But as we went forward, fell victim to it being a quarterback league. Russell Wilson going out there and doing legitimately incredible things. Had one of the best deep balls in the league for such a long time. I always said the connection between him and Tyler Lockett was, I think, the closest thing to what we saw with prime Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, where there was Mm. ESP between two players when the play broke down that produced uniquely incredible results. And I thought Russ deserved a lot of credit for that. But something's broken with that right now. And it could be a combination of a lot of things. Football's usually a lot more complicated than that. But when you're the guy making $250 million, everyone's going to be look at you, looking at you wondering, all right, what's the deal here? Because you were supposed to be the difference. He was brought over here to elevate this team, and they look completely inept offensively. Coach doesn't help that. Like, if you're looking for the Matthew Stafford comp from last year, Matthew Stafford went into a much better situation coaching-wise, went into a sure. roster that had already been to a Super Bowl in one form with a lot of the key pieces involved, going back to that game against the Patriots. So there are obvious differences. But with that defense and what we thought was the quality of the weapons around there, even with some loss to injury in the preseason, well below the standard. Well below the standard. So that game was a slot fest. Brandon, there were a bunch of funny things about this game. Um, and okay. I'm curious if what you thought might have been the funniest because I have a couple of things I wrote down here that were laugh out loud funny during this game. Um, first off, you had the Denver home crowd leaving while the game was tied in overtime, flooding towards the exit in mass, not giving a shit who wins this game. You had, as we said, Amazon paying $78 million to broadcast this game. You had Richard Sherman, who is part of the Thursday night football broadcast in the post game absolutely having a violent flashback to their Super Bowl loss against the Patriots because this game ended in overtime with Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos fourth and one inside the 10-yard line going for it with a chance to win and once again electing to throw it and Russ throwing a pass that ends up getting knocked down and the game is over instead of running it and Richard Sherman was absolutely beside himself in the postgame screaming, I wish we had Marshawn up here. Just run the the damn ball learn from your mistakes one god that is a man who is lighting up the legion of boom what i would give brandon for access to the legion of boom group chat tonight they are cooking that man i mean rightfully so mike but i i, I do as much as i want to make fun of richard sherman or poke fun because he gives us these sound bites that you know sound like cell phone alerts he's right you got to run the damn ball 
And that's the one thing the Broncos had actually been doing pretty well on that drive and some subsequent drives was being able to move it on the ground. It's just such poetry when it ends like that. So you had <laughs> yes. Sherm doing that. I do want to give some love. God bless Jake Olson. I don't know if you guys remember Jake Olson, former long snapper, uh, former like extra point long snapper for the USC Trojans. He was uh, came to Pete Carroll on yes. that team as part of the Make-A-Wish program when he was a kid because he was dealing with a, a rare disease that ended up costing him his eyesight and he was blind, fully blind, when he was the long snapper at USC. Jake is one of the most incredible dudes ever. I've gotten a chance to meet him a bunch. Like I know the Notre Dame-USC thing obviously is a rivalry. Love that dude. Jake is wow, nice. one of the nicest, coolest, most inspiring people to ever be around, but he's got one of the best senses of humor on earth. And he tweeted during this game, if a genie granted me one game to watch with my eyesight back but it had to be this game should i accept it and he put it up wow. on a poll it was remarkable so i'm certainly giving honorable credit to jake olson because he deserves it for that one but brandon to me by far the best part and the funniest part about this game was al michaels al michaels was flat out fucking disgusted with this game that man <laughs> was so over it at every turn of this game, every penalty, every inexplicable decision, back-to-back -back timeouts and overtime at the end of this game, he was disgusted with everything more than the last. I've never heard someone whose job it was to be there want to be there less than Al Michaels. And as was pointed out to me by my old producer at ESPN, Devin Kane, that man called the fucking miracle on ice and had to go out here and pretend to be interested in this. So there's no wonder why he couldn't fake the funk. Hey, you talk about being people being professional. I, I was thinking about that, w listening to him on this call, and you know him and Kurt, Kurt Herbstreit. They're talking about uh, Russell Wilson and Hackett trying to get comfortable together. I think they those two are still trying to get comfortable together as well. But these games don't help. No, and what is their reward? Washington and Chicago next week on Thursday Ugh. night, which I tweeted at Brandon, and I will maintain just because this game that we saw on Thursday night is a poster for why the league has skewed rules in favor of offense. Because as good as the mm. defensive play in that game was, it was awful to watch because it was so inept on offense. And offense is the exciting part that puts butts in seats. I at least think that Justin Fields, being as dynamic an athlete as he is, even if he's not going to be well protected gives them an opportunity and that Carson Wentz even if I don't think he's top end that good and is probably in one of his last years as a starter in this league at least at times this season we've seen put together some wild down the field stuff in the passing game that through first two weeks had him near the top of the passing charts in the NFL I'll take the chaotic potential of that over what looked like a surefire dud in this last Thursday night I'll say that out loud right now you can clip it I'm sure and I'm ready to be wrong about that coming up this next week, but it was uh it was incredible. So I think Al the dangers yeah. well, I, I just think the dangers of playing uh, showing football games like this, Mike, is that guys like me who uh you know, maybe in the back of our mind think maybe we still got a little bit left in the tank. You see bad football on the NFL level, you're like, Well, maybe I could you're like, No, you can't. Nope. You can't. But when you see football like that, you think you can. No, see, I, I, I promise, I don't. 
I don't. I have people do that nice thing on Twitter all the time when like no lines playing really bad and they text me. They're like, oh man, you are you free right are now? You- such and such team could use you. I'm like, dog, when I was in shape and trying, all of these teams cut me or didn't sign me. You think now that I am like 255 soaking wet and have to foam roll just to walk every day, I'd be able to go out and play pro football with these guys? Hell no. The freaking scout team would work my ass over. So no, please and thank you on that one. Yeah. God bless everyone who started around through overtime of that game the sickos committee done proud on the nfl level truly a joy hey dad what do you do when you're out with friends the waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help Mm, that's a great question so what what should i do you should have some confidence dad or as our friends at jaegermeister call it shotfidence if everyone's having trouble ordering here's what you do you take charge you grab the bull by the horns you find that dog in you and you make an executive decision and just order for the table a round of ice cold jaegermeister shots damn that's cold because apparently we've all been drinking jaegermeister wrong did not know that how should we be drinking it glad you asked dad we should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees fahrenheit well that brings up other things that i love ice cold as well and i'll tell you right out of the gate that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer that's my way of eating candy oh i love it on the golf course out there you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options and i always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course taking a bite of that cold cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round it's the same way with jaegermeister so wherever you are if you're hanging out with friends at the bar call the shots cheers with ice cold shots of jaegermeister damn that's cold and remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. We are going to get to some games that will be a nice palate cleanser for the weekend that we're actually excited about watching in just a second, Brandon. But you know what can help you dull the never-ending glare of that horrific football game? Our friends at Knockaround Sunglasses. They've got polarized sunglasses that cost just about $30 a pair that are going to save you from the hell of having to watch that game. You could have thrown knockarounds on during that game and just listened to Al Michaels' disgust and not have to worry about seeing the screen in the comfort of your own home. You can get 15 different frames, a ton of different colors. You can customize them for game day if you're still proudly wearing Colts and Broncos colors in public right now. You can do that. Customize the arms, the lenses, the logo, all that stuff. Over a billion possible combinations exist in the Knockaround Custom Shop. That's a billion with a B, which a quarter of that is about what they're playing Russell Wilson in Denver right mm. now. Um, <laughs> they are lightweight. They have great clarity, rubber nose, so you don't slip, slide, or bounce as you're being absolutely overrun by defenders in the pocket. Knockaround sunglasses are high-quality polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price. Go ahead and check out their huge range of shades at knockaround.com and use promo code GOJO to get yourself 20% off at checkout. All right, Brandon, time to, to get back on track a little bit here because that was corrosive i apologize for pouring that poison into your ears if you didn't already stay up and watch that game but we had to be a part of history and now you got to too so uh (laughs) let's look to the rest of the weekend brandon uh i will give you we'll each pick two games you're actually excited about this weekend and things that people might need to put their eyes on um college or pro whatever you want here i will give you the floor to go first here what is a game that you are looking forward to well, it's very easy for me, Mike. Sunday night football. Uh, you got Joe Burrow's Cincinnati Bengals AFC North battle against 
my Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. The Ravens are favored in this game, Mike. It's very important. It's a battle of quarterbacks, defenses. There's a little bit of a same, same Spider-Man meme here. I like to, I don't like not like to admit it because I do think that Baltimore Ravens are the better team. I think you would agree having them so high in your top five power rankings for the NFL. But uh, I think it's going to be a good chance to see good football on Sunday night in a prime time window again and really, really cleanse uh, our mouths from this uh, Thursday night football stink. Yeah, I will say. So I had uh, me and my dad do our junior versus senior power rankings every week for the NFL. I went Philly, Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore, and the Green Bay Packers. And I took a lot of heat for the Baltimore one because obviously they've lost two games against the Dolphins and the Bills. But Brandon, I think they're firmly the better team going into this game against the Bengals. I understand the Bengals have finally started to do some things to help Joe Burrow. They had been so obvious formation-wise, passing out of the Mm -hmm. shotgun, running under center. Other teams were teeing off on that. And you look at the teams that they have beaten. They beat the fucking Jets. And then they beat the Miami Dolphins without Tua that had to watch on Thursday Night Football on a short week after the Bills game. Their quarterback get carted off early in that game. That was a game that really felt like a write-off for both sides as far as what you wanted to talk about development-wise. But give the Bengals credit. They went out and did it against a Dolphins defense that we know is good. All I'm saying is, two pretty suspect wins. Versus on the other side... I get it's a Ravens team that ended up losing. They were the better team for three and a half quarters against that Dolphins team. They were playing in a rain-filled slot fest and had plenty of chance to win against the Buffalo Bills that are number one in my power rankings. That offense is legit. I understand the defense has some ground to make up. But I think the secondary is putting it together post that Dolphins game better and better every week. So I think they've got a chance. I like like the Ravens in that one, Brandon. I'm with you on that. So that's a good game to look forward to. Um, it's one of the few games, actually. This slate this weekend is kind of an ugly jigsaw puzzle of shit to work your way through in the NFL, which is why You're I'm right. going to go to college, Brandon. Mm. It's time. So going back into the offseason, the biggest story in college football this offseason was the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher beef heard around the oh, world. Yeah. Oh, Nick yeah. Saban oh, yeah. at an Alabama touchdown club or whatever the hell it was in front of a bunch of boosters talking about how Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M bought their entire recruiting class and how they were getting lapped in NIL and all these things that prompted Jimbo Fisher to call an impromptu press conference the next day and absolutely tee off on Nick mm, Saban. Mm, mm, mm. It was as public and out front a beef, like a family-style beef inside the SEC as we've ever seen. And so ever since then, we have had October 8th, 2022, the year of our Lord, circled on the calendar because Texas yep. A&M and Alabama are finally going to play. Now... Not quite going to hit the same when Alabama walks into this game as a 24-point favorite. <laughs> Mike, that's a perfect that's a perfect opportunity for A&M right there. It, so it, it is, and it would be. Texas A&M, who beat Alabama last year. Zach Calzada, who is no longer on campus there. Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator, who's now the head coach at Duke. All important pieces that are missing. But this is a game where Bryce Young, we saw exit the field. Early in the Arkansas game last week, dealing with shoulder injury. It sounds like he's been practicing all week. They're keeping it a game-time decision. I'll be stunned if he doesn't play. 
because I think Nick Saban wants to destroy them. I don't think he wants to beat Texas A&M, the football team. I think he wants to erase the institution from this earth. An institution that has two nuclear reactors on campus, by the way. So, Nick, be careful. We're we're looking out for you on this one. Tough sledding on that one when they got doubled up nukes on there. But, Brandon... I don't know if there'd be a number big enough for me to pick against Alabama just because Texas A&M has looked so lifeless on offense. If your name's not Devon A-Chain, you have not been producing relative to the level of your star power on that offense. And that goes to the head man, too. We've seen them rotating quarterbacks between Haynes King and Max Johnson. It's been a mess there. There's been injury involved there now as well that might have Haynes King going into this game as the starter again. So it's, it's all been really bad offensively for them. And I just think if you are going to be limited and largely vanilla on offense and not get a banner performance out of your quarterback, because that's what happened last year. Zach Calzada had a game of his life type moment. We've seen that in the past with teams that managed to beat Saban. It's usually a Manziel or someone like that going off a swag Kelly at Ole Miss. They're not walking through that door. I'm not going to bet this game, but if I was going to, I'd probably take Alabama on the points because I think this is so deeply personal in a way that very few things are for Nick Saban. It reminds me, Brandon, of at the end of Avengers Endgame when Thanos is talking to Captain America and Thor and Iron Man, and he's saying, in all my years of conquest, it's never been personal. But yes. I am going to enjoy this erasing you and your puny little planet. That's how Nick Saban feels going into this game, and that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. The narrative play, Mike. The narrative play. Yes, I, I, I hear you. I see you. I just really, really, I lo- you know, I love an underdog, and that's a lot of points. And it's a college football game, and it's October. It is. And listen, it's not an Alabama offense that has been a juggernaut by any means. It's an Alabama defense that did give up a bunch so of points Arizona. to Arkansas in the oh, game this Arizona, last week. Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas in the game this last week. So I I understand that. I'm just saying this seems like one of those that Nick Saban has been like quietly sitting in his room at the end of the night just preparing for this. The way that a lot of teams like Notre Dame, when you've got a service academy on the schedule, will start preparing for them in the summer. You'll start working on yeah. stuff for that because it's such an anomaly during the summer. I feel like Nick Saban's been in a dark room watching film and drinking coffee, lifting weights, getting ready for this game. So thoughts and prayers to Texas A&M. Please do not activate any of the nuclear reactors on your campus here. This is just a football game. Let's not escalate this like that Utah student <laughs> wanted to do. Um, Brandon, what do you got for the second game you're looking forward to? It's, it, I'm embarrassed to say so, Mike, because it feels chalky in a very NFC way. But F it. I worked at Fox Sports at one point in time. America's game of the week, which I imagine this is going to be, the Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Rams, Mike. After that debacle that we saw in Monday Night Football, uh, late game interceptions and and turnovers in in the fourth quarter, I'm very, very interested to see what he does against this explosive Cowboys defense and one that Michael Parsons with his hair, his ears pinned back. Like I'm excited to see just how bad this offensive line for the Rams looks against this defensive line for the Cowboys and how – much worse Matthew Stafford might look with those things combined and also Aaron Donald with his uh who who 
probably smells a little bit of uh, blood in the water for Cooper Cooper Rush and that uh, offensive line for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. I don't know. It just feels like there's so many – the weak spots and the strong spots uh, on this team go back and forth, and I'm still trying to solidify my final push that Cooper Rush will be undefeated in all the games that he starts. And I think he has a good opportunity to. Right now the, the Rams are favorite, uh, five and a half points. That's not really important. I do think that's one of the upsets that could happen because I think there's going to be a couple of them this weekend. But, yes, that's the game I'm excited to watch, the last 445 window game this Sunday. Five and a half is an interesting number for that because, I, again, we talked about what a difficult time it is right now for the Rams because they don't have that bona fide number two the way that they did before. And when you've got Trevon Diggs on the other side, who we've talked about taking those steps to become a better corner, match him up with Cooper Cup, and now you start looking for answers elsewhere and might not be able to find them super easily. I will say the one thing that interests me most in this game is so much of the shift for the Cowboys since Dak Prescott went down, it's become a much more balanced rushing attack to passing attack. Yeah. It's not quite 50-50, but it's close. I think they're since game since week two, they're sixth in percentage of their offense that comes from rushing attempts. So Damn. they've definitely upped the ante on that. They're still not a markedly good rushing team by like efficiency stats. And the Rams mm-hmm. are actually a legitimately good rush defense. I think that's the one thing that gets lost. We think so much of them as a pin your ears back, go get the quarterback unit. Sack numbers are a little bit down, but they've got good stuff against the run. And so I think that's going to be interesting to watch is, are the Cowboys going to be able to have enough of that run game to keep that balance that's helped Bowie Cooper Cup? And then it's totally on the other side. Can they go and do exactly what the 49ers did to Matt Stafford? That's got to be the game plan for them. Mm. If you're asking me right now, I'd probably lean towards the Rams, but that five and a half is pretty enticing. I don't think they're going to be involved in my six thick picks, but you're going to have to stick around and find that out for yourself. So, And again, helmet game too, this is just a legitimately interesting yeah. It's like It's one of the, it's a bad helmet game weekend. I'll say that. Like you look down most of the rest of the schedule in the NFL this weekend, and it's Pittsburgh and Buffalo, which Pittsburgh's a 14-and-a-half-point dog in that game. The Chargers and the Browns, the Chargers as beat to shit as they are. The Bears and the Vikings, the Lions and the Patriots, yeah. the Falcons and the Bucks. Like, it's just weird combinations. Yeah. Or it's the same. At least that's, that's both AFC East, at least. Yeah, it's a division game, but, like, there's going to be no Tua in that game. We know what that Dolphins team's been through. So, it's just weird yeah. to look at a lot of those, which is why... Oh, no. Uh, well, I was going to mention Draymond Green talked about it on social media. In fact, it was very hard for him to get up for Sacramento Kings on a Tuesday. But getting up for Giannis and LeBron is always easy. I think that's what a lot of these NFL teams are going to be struggling with this week. Yeah, San Francisco on the road at Carolina. Have fun getting up for that one. I don't know if you'll need much help with that defense against that offense, but... We will see, Man. which is why, Brandon, I'm going to export my second game that I'm excited to watch. Part of this is selfish because, like I said, in my top five, I had the Packers at five. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the London game, man. I'm already a big Ooh. fan of the London game. I like having morning football on a Sunday. I understand after that Thursday night game, we might feel a little oversaturated, but the Giants and the Packers <laughs> going to London. I need the Packers to show up this week. I've been putting the Packers in my top five, two of the first, I think, five weeks of this season. I had them back in here now. I feel like the offense is coming along and getting healthier. For me, this is a lot more about where I think they're going than exactly where they are right now. This is still a team that, as you look at them right now, 3-1 football team. 
Lost to the Vikings week one. Beat up up front. All the easy excuses are there. The thing I need to see is the rush defense. And the reason I'm very interested and kind of concerned about it is the Giants are a legitimately good running team at this point. Like, they are number one in yards per rush while under center in the NFL. And they're averaging the most yards before contact on those runs. It's almost four yards before contact, which is symbolic that the offensive line's blocking pretty well. I say all that because Daniel Jones is limping into this game. Ankle injury in that last game. Tyrod Taylor went out with a concussion in that last game. They're banged up across the board. And we know having um, Daniel Jones as a viable run threat would be important. But when he's under center, it's not really about him being a run threat. It might affect their play-action passing game. They did a lot of booting him out of the pocket, a lot of hard run cells to try and get him just easy open looks where you've got half-field reads, people flooding zones on that side of the field, so he can either hit someone easy or go and take off and use his legs. That'll be a little less viable, which is important, but this is a team that's been able to line up under center and just move people off the ball with Saquon Barkley being one of the best backs in football, and this Packers defense just hasn't had it up front. I think Devontae Wyatt's probably not going to be able to go in this game, so they're going to be thin body-wise up there traveling over to London. That being said, this offense has to be able to respond and start to even out and carry more of this load. Hopefully you get Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos back on the defensive end. It seems like they're tracking that way. But this Giants team had to go and sign um, Jalen Smith off the street the other day. Um... Uh, they just signed Landon Collins too, I think, the old wa- who was with the Giants, then signed that big deal with the Washington football team, spent the last couple of years injured, and now is, I think, was close to or did sign a deal yesterday with them, and sounds like he's going to be making the trip to London and could actually see the field. So you've got that. They are so depleted at wide receiver, the Sterling Shepard injury last week, the Slow. knee injury, Kenny Galladay's not making the trip. There is no earthly reason why the Giants should win this game or cover unless the Packers spit the bit. And so I'm counting on them to go out here and have my back because I had theirs. You know the Packers can spit the bit. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm, right. I'm asking them okay. politely not to. I'm not yelling Please. yet. I'm not going Richard Sherman yet. I'm just asking them politely, hey, go ahead and cover the number. Go ahead and do it. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Okay. Well, uh, international waters, Mike. I don't know if they, you know, have the same rules as the spooky October thing that I'm that I'm trying to get going uh, narrative-wise. But are you ready? Are you ready for my lock? Oh, Brandon, I will be in a second. I promise okay. I will be in a second. But okay. first, before we get to that, we got to get to game time, and not game time across the pond. 
we got to get to game time that we think can help you out here. One of our new friends around here, we love them dearly. We think you will love them dearly. Game time. Football season, right now we've talked about, in full swing. We just watched. There were human beings in the stands at that Denver Broncos game. We stayed up and watched all of it. People are willing to go to great lengths for this stuff. Now we're going to try and help you do that smarter and cheaper. Great games every weekend, and thanks to game time, it's going to be easier than ever to be there. We saw people filing out of the game. I'm sure some of them paid a lot for those tickets. Didn't feel super great about it when they got to the fourth quarter. With that being said, with game time, super easy. I am looking at the app right now on my phone, Brandon. And I've got tickets available for the Cowboys-Rams game this weekend. I'm already seeing NLDS tickets available for the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. Under $100 at this point. They are cheap tickets. It's easy to get them last minute. And the app is super easy to use. Super user-friendly here. It's the fastest-growing ticket app that guarantees the lowest price on tickets to all your favorite sports, concerts, shows. Harry Styles is coming out to Los Angeles soon. If you don't think I'm going to be going and trying to get loose on game time with that, you're crazy. You can see the view from your seats in the app. Checkout takes less than 30 seconds. So go ahead, download the GameTime app, create an account, and then redeem code GOJO for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's GOJO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, so download GameTime. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, Brandon. Now it comes time to the show. So you guys are used to my six thick picks, three college, three NFL picks for the weekend that we will get to in just a second. We're 10, 18, and two on the year. We are climbing out of the cellar from week one and week two. We're getting back on track. But we want to add into the mix because Brandon is fixated on how creepy and spooky October is. And so this week is the premiere of Brandon's spooky October underdog play of the weekend. Brandon, the floor is yours, my friend. Get spooky. The Los Angeles Chargers will lose to the Cleveland Browns on Mm. Sunday by way of the legs of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt against that Chargers defense that's trying to stop quarterbacks probably more than stop trying to stop running backs i think that might be at least that's where i'm going to be doing and is going to be doing that without joey bosa for the time being Thank you. Thank you. I, I just feel like that's one of the games now. The line on that is uh, the Chargers get uh, Chargers minus two, which I think is too easy for a lock of the week, honestly. Like, I'd like to pick one with a little bit more skin in the game. Like, uh, I'm looking at you, uh, Saints. Saints versus Seahawks. Saints versus Seahawks, I'm looking at you. But my lock of the week, I want to be safe, is going to be the Cleveland Browns beating the Chargers on Sunday. So are you going Cleveland Browns plus, plus two, or are you going straight up? I'm going straight up. So you're saying they win it outright. So throw it on the Browns' money line here. They're winning this thing outright. Come right and collect. That is Brandon Newman's. Hey, as sure as as Colts fans knew that they were going to win Thursday night football, that's how sure I am that these Cleveland Browns are going to beat the L.A. Chargers on Sunday. Cleveland Browns money line, Brandon Spooky Locktober underdog play of the weekend presented by possibly you sponsors. Get on this one. <laughs> Free ghost noises not included. Um, all right. So in addition to that, we will have six thick picks for this weekend. Three college, three pro. Uh, Brandon, we'll start off with pro since we were just talking so much about it. Um, yes. We mentioned the Packers 
in London against the Giants. I'm taking Packers minus seven against the Giants. Part of this is just me wanting to be right and wanting to believe that this team's going to figure it out. If not, we're allowed. I get that it's the London game. We're allowed to start asking some questions, especially about that Packers defense that's wildly underperformed so far. Uh, second one up, Jacksonville minus seven against Houston. I think there's a bit going to be a bit of an overreaction on the part of some people to what we saw last weekend Jacksonville going up against the Philadelphia Eagles the best team in football right now turning the ball over bunch wet track I don't think those things hold I think that offense and that quarterback have gotten a lot better I like them against the Houston Texans and I'll give up the points for it and then the last one Brandon this has gone off the vice of our friend Stormy Bonatoni who joined us from Vegas Stats and Information Network the Lions right now on defense have proven very little to me and so the Lions are playing the Patriots the over-under set at 46 I get that we're potentially in Bailey Zappi zone still for the Patriots Mm -hmm. but man they made Geno Smith and the Seahawks look like they were the freaking greatest show on turf. And so I am going to try my hand at betting the Lions in the week. I'm not going to pick against them because I don't want to go down that road yet. We're still not sure if DeAndre Swift's going to be there. Amara St. Brown hopefully tracking to be back. But I'm going to take the Lions and the Patriots over 46 uh, to finish up the NFL picks. And then college, we're going to go simple here. Tennessee minus three against LSU. Iowa and Illinois under 36 and a half uh, defense and running backs in this game. Like it's going out of style. Iowa unders always a sure bet taking those over to the bank. Even as fun and exciting as Illinois and their defense are great running back in that room. Give me the under on that one. And then the last one here I want to go. And this is another one. Arizona is a team that is rudderless right now. I feel for those kids, what they're going through. Herm yeah. Edwards fired mid-season. It's been mid-season. It's been a rough go for them. We saw a couple of teams, Georgia Tech, uh, led by Brent Key, and then Nebraska both get wins uh, with their interim coaches this last weekend. I don't think that day's coming. They're playing Arizona State's playing Washington this week. Arizona really, really bad pass defense going up against what had been until last week the number one passing offense in the country. I'll take Washington favored by 14 points in this game and i'll say they cover that number so that's the six thick picks for the weekend go ahead and lock those in we're going to try and climb this out we're going to put out i'm sure we'll have some sort of profit boost for tomorrow or a same game parlay something like that that the fine folks at the DraftKings sportsbook have been kind enough to give out through us each weekend here i'm sure we'll have something fun for you tomorrow so at mike golick jr on twitter we'll have that coming your way mike i just checked i just checked my miss cleo app those are our winners. Wow. All right. There we go. Mr. Cleo has spoken. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get you like a crystal ball at some point. It just feels right. Yeah. Yeah. Some kind of some kind of a cultural appropriate turban. Exactly. Exists. Flirt flirt with the line. Walking right up to it. Hopefully not going over <laughs> here. We'll wait and see how that looks. But in the meantime, Brandon, uh, it is Friday. We want to get the people out of here on a positive note. Some things to celebrate going into the weekend. So, Brandon, do you know what time it is? I do, Miguel. I do. And. Why do I always feel like I'm in the twilight zone? It always feels like this, that, and the day. And I have no privacy. It always feels like this, that, and the In awe. I'm in awe, Brandon. You continue to challenge your vocal range in a way very few people have the guts to do. 
I hope people check this out. Download, subscribe, rate, review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Keep leaving Brandon spooky suggestions for songs to sing for this, that, and the third during the month of October at Gojo Show on Twitter. But make sure you go and check out the DraftKings YouTube channel and the Gojo with Michael Jr. playlist so you can watch Brandon the way you loaded up when you were getting ready to attack those high notes. You literally squatted down like you were going to jump and then threw up as much energy through your vocal cords as I've ever seen. It was incredible. Like literally getting ready for like the combine stuff. So I gotta get this stuff. They're like, get your. It was. It was a quarter squat. Use your muscles. <laughs> oh, I almost legitimately just had a cramp in my back right now. So, what people that tweet me if I have a few snaps left in me, let this moment be a lesson. I almost oh, ganked my back. Oh, I, I, like honestly, if we were to go out there, I just want people to know. Like, everyone's like, you've played, you play college football. Yeah, okay, I understand. If we were to go out there, like, we would be trampled like Mufasa in, in, the, in the wildebeest scene. Yeah, and hopefully not eaten alive by our brother after that. Stay woke and remember what actually yes. happened in that movie. Um, yes, 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 Brandon, yes. let's get to this. Uh, I just love lobbing LeBron James' headline in your general direction. And LeBron James, uh, during the Lakers preseason, they played a game in Las Vegas. Um, They, um, yeah, uh, LeBron James, after a game recently, basically spoke directly to NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and said, it's the best fan base in the world, referencing Las Vegas. I would love to bring a team here at some point. That would be amazing. He said, it was their exhibition loss to the Suns. He said, I know Adam is in Abu Dhabi right now, I believe, but he probably sees every single transcript and interview that comes through from NBA players. So I want a team here, Adam. Thank you. Uh, Brandon, this is something he's brought up on the shot before too. Where are you at on LeBron James' prospective NBA owner? I'm okay with LeBron James being a prospective NBA owner when he has either come home, shaved off his head, or is uh, sporting a nice uh, salt and pepper gray. Like, it needs to be at least another five to seven years in the future for me to be completely comfortable with it because I think if we're in the line of things, Seattle gets their NBA franchise before LeBron gets his in Vegas. So, well, no, I think they would have to happen at the same time because you'd have to bring two in together. That's what feels like the win in it for me here, Brandon. We've talked about how much it's nice seeing Seattle get good things. They've had such a great women's team there that's been a champion for so long. They loved the Supersonics when they were there. You give Seattle their team, LeBron gets his team in Las Vegas, and then post-career, that probably keeps you, if you're Adam Silver, from having LeBron blowing up your phone all the time about all the other stuff you might potentially do. Like, it's giving him one... One job instead of potentially many things that he might want to do but isn't it dangerous for him to i'm all for it but i have a hard time believing that lamont let lebron james won't think that he is the most important owner if he gets oh, no. that he definitely will and i think the best part and the number one reason i want this by far like obviously lebron james still says he wants to play with Bronny and wants to stick around for that so this is years down the road we're talking he's already got some salt and pepper in the beard too so he's trending in the right direction for that yeah he'll get he'll get more there he's getting old but brandon the real reason i want this is because we'd finally get to actually see the lebron jordan debate transpire in a different playing field like as long as jordan's still owner and the owner of the charlotte hornets Getting that potentially where now you get those two competing in a stage against each other, awesome. All in on that. 
Oh, yeah, like kind of like the Hornets are at the bottom of the East and uh, LeBron's Vegas team will be at the bottom of the West, I imagine. I wonder if LeBron will be just because for so long we've always called him LeGM anyway and assumed that he was making mm-hmm. and helping so many of these deals. That was a lot less prevalent in Jordan's time, so I wonder if LeBron's already got a head start on potentially being better in a front office role than Michael. He possibly has, but I'm wondering who has to be there for the front. Like, I feel like the team originally has to get sold to Rich Paul and Adele, and then eventually LeBron's going to get it. Oh, no, I think he's going to take it over right away, and I think Rich Paul's going to leave his job as an agent and go, like, do the the Rob Palenka thing and come become the GM for LeBron in Vegas. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh, and Adele with the residency, that might be good for the whole family. Honestly, everybody wins on that one. LeBron to Vegas. I wonder what... I still hope at some point as we continue to walk down that path, and obviously you've got the Las Vegas Aces there now, you've got the Vegas Golden Knights, you've got the Vegas Raiders. I continue to plea with everyone in Vegas as we add infrastructure around the sports there. Someone's got to put, not only like we're seeing sports books in more and more arenas, so I don't think that's going to be there, blackjack tables and Vegas buffets. Please, God, lean into all the things that make your city and the Strip great and put them more readily accessible inside these stadiums. You got bottle service in Allegiant. The Notre Dame and BYU, well, the Notre Dame fans going to the BYU game there this weekend are likely going to get to experience that. So let's just continue to lean all the way into the Vegas shit. I think uh, you can start at the airport, Mike, because there's plenty of people that I'm sure fly to Vegas, get on them uh, machines in the airport, and then days pass, and then they get back on the airplane and fly out without even leaving the airport. No, I don't know if that's you, Mike, but I'm saying if they if they had buffets at the airport as well, right? And they probably have to update those bathrooms. But now we're talking. Yeah, the airport's dangerous. I worry less about people missing their trip to Vegas because you're pretty motivated coming in. I've seen plenty of people miss their flight on the way out because you're knee-deep in some slot machine over there. You're nursing one of nature's more powerful hangovers, and you're generally a shell of the human being that you came to that city as, which means you had a pretty good time. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Um, Brandon, let's get, let's get to that. Uh, last time on Dragon Ball Z, we saw Le'Veon Bell knock out Adrian Peterson in an exhibition boxing match that the two were a part of. Le'Veon's now going to make his pro boxing debut against former UFC fighter Uriah Hall on October 29th in Phoenix. He's going to be on the card for Jake Paul going up against 47-year-old Anderson the Spider Silva, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Um, Now, Uriah Hall's 38. He's only fought in mixed martial arts. He retired in 2005. 
He last fought 32-year-old Brazilian Andre Muniz in July and lost that unanimous decision in Vegas. He's never boxed professionally. So, Le'Veon Bell, who... There are reports going all the way back to before he signed in Tampa that he was considering leaving football to go and pursue boxing. Brandon, based on what we've seen with the Pauls and how they've all of a sudden become at least semi-legitimate and respected in the boxing world, do you think Le'Veon's got any chance? I want to say hell no, because that's what I feel in my heart. But I also want to give... I don't know if anybody thought Le'Veon was going to knock out AG, uh, AP the way he did. And obviously, the age difference was a, uh, something. But oddly enough, the Jake Paul, Logan Paul boxing thing makes me respect the art of boxing more to the point like if you just focus on the thing, you can be great at it. And it looks like Le'Veon Bell is just focused on the thing. But choosing him over another professional fighter is hard for me. Yeah, that one's tough. Like, I get that Uriah Hall didn't necessarily do – and I don't remember what – I mean, it was a long time ago when he was in the UFC, so I don't remember what his specialty was as far as a fighter, but going up against someone right. that's done that their entire life is a pretty tall task. I will say Le'Veon Bell long-term, if this is something he's truly serious about, I've seen plenty of people say that the Pauls took it seriously enough – Jake and Logan to actually go and get close to being legit, like get to a point now where it's not just totally a sideshow anymore. We can fight Anderson Silva. Well, I mean, Anderson Silva's fucking forty-seven years old. Like, He's I'm still sorry, a Spider Mike. Those those fists, Mike. I, this is a big deal to me. Jake Brand- Paul fighting Anderson Silva is not. It's not. It's not. He's forty. It's not the rest of these fights. He's forty-seven. He might be the he, but okay, but he might be the Tom Brady of that shit. Not boxing, but you know what I'm saying. Like you got to give Anderson Silva. Tom some, Brady's some the respect. Tom Brady of not having to play a position that requires much of you physically, as far as a tra- I don't know, man. But it'll be and it'll be interesting if Le'Veon Bell actually commits to the bid on this because he's super physically impressive and always has been, and so. Something to watch here. It was it's it's a little less sad with him now that we've seen him already get through the part where he's fighting like another football or basketball player. Now we get to see if it's legit. Yeah, I mean, clearly based on his rapping career, anything that he's even semi good at, he likes to take to the umpteenth degree. So we're going to see him box until he gets knocked out. Yeah, that's true. That, and that could come October twenty eighth. So we'll wait and see on that one. Brandon, let's get to the third though. Uh, the third is hopefully not a preview of what's to come. Now, football fans, we're kind of used to every year the points of emphasis in the NFL when it comes to penalties. Some years it's defensive holding. Some years it's the excessive celebration penalties. All of it winds up usually with the first quarter of the season being absolutely plagued with penalties. And knock on wood, so far there hasn't been like... Now, we've had the concussion problem with Tua and the you know unaffiliated neurological consultant drama going on there that's obviously taken center stage but i don't feel like a ton of penalties at this point there haven't seemed to have been like an overreach to focus on one thing there wasn't the preseason i can't remember what thing was getting called a bunch in the preseason but they def- they didn't bring that over to the regular season do you remember that preseason games there were a lot of like random yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was, but to your point, it didn't make its way over to the regular season, and that's a net positive yeah. for viewers. For basketball, I'll be interested in this. So the Lakers were playing in that game against the Suns, and Thomas Bryant was called for a technical foul 
in the third quarter, Damian Jones' teammate threw down a dunk. Brian came off the bench and was celebrating, kind of flexed in the corner. He was technically on the court and was really there for maybe three or four seconds. It wasn't an egregiously long amount of time. We've all seen bench mobs getting loose. Yes. Well... What's being referred to as the Theo Pinson rule came into effect. He got teed up because last year the Mavs Reserve spent so much time getting loose on the bench celebrating big plays. The league already had a policy on players on the bench coming onto the court for too long, but Pinson was there for so long, and in the Western Conference Finals, we had that shot of him in the corner with a hand raised, wearing the shirt that was the same color as Golden State's white and blue uniform, and so Steph Curry passed the ball out of bounds, thinking a teammate was there to catch it, and so thus we got this rule, and we saw it go into effect here. It was wild, it was clearly done, pretty quick trigger to send a message. Brandon, I pray to God the NBA doesn't take away one of the true joys in this league, which is the bench mob it's one of my favorite parts about every team the elaborate celebrations we see in college they get even more ornate in the nba you have to have some professionalism but shit we've seen lebron doing the bottle challenge on the bench during blowouts before i don't want them to rob us of this joy yeah no they can't mike this is like taking away i really can't find a, a comparable it was almost like remember when they took away touchdown celebrations or yes. celebrations in general and then they they reacted by letting everyone do it and everyone's like okay now that we can do it we don't really want to anymore the only thing that stuck from that is the defensive uh celebrations after turnovers in the end zone i'm glad that that's continued but yes i i i completely agree with you i need the bench going crazy because i what else are you going to cut to in between stuff, you know what I mean. Like after you, after you get the guy with the hand in the air and him, you know, doing his little three celebration. Oh. Where else you gonna cut to? You Some gotta guys- go to the bench. Yeah, you gotta go to Jared Dudley. You gotta go to whoever's uh, whoever's over there going nuts because their teammate is doing well or doing the thing that they didn't practice. Like, I, I you can't take it away. You can't take it away. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's guys stop. that have made entire careers off just having elaborate different handshakes made up with each player as they come off the court, being the guy that's a uniquely great celebrator on there. Now you've got all sorts of meme potential that blows up from these things. It's an important part yes. of the NBA ecosystem, Brandon. And you're absolutely right. Yes. When we kick the floodgates back open on NFL celebrations, it was electric. There were group celebrations that went on here. You're right in that the remnants largely remain there. The one thing that stuck was the limit on pelvic thrusts at three, the Hingle McCringleberry rule. Yes, 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 yes. We don't yes. need the same thing. Was Jamal thing. Williams. Yeah. Was Jamal Williams. He, he he decided to, you know, just let it all hang out. Let it all hang out. And I, yeah. and I and I applaud him for it. But go back to NFL officials. I just looked it up. 22 illegal contact penalties week one of the preseason. Got it. So that was the uh, that was the extra. I appreciate your journalistic integrity and commitment to making sure that people had every idea what that penalty was. Uh, we appreciate your guys' integrity, staying all the way through this podcast. We hope it wasn't nearly as painful as Thursday Night Football was. If you enjoyed it, make sure, again, you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Check out the DraftKings YouTube channel and the Gojo of Mike Golick Jr. playlist on there. And obviously follow us both at Brother Brandon, at Gojo Show on Twitter, and at Mike Golick Jr. Make sure, by the way, check out this weekend. I'll be on the call. Uh, Florida State at NC State this weekend. Uh, Learfield Woo. Audio. You can check out and download the Varsity app and listen to us there. Should be an awesome game and awesome atmosphere. And so if you're in Raleigh and you've got food recommendations, holler at your boy. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.